What is good, everybody, man? Welcome back to the Blue Bloods, man. The Coach's Corner live coming at y'all from Wednesday, on Wednesday night. Myself, my guy, Coach Fred, still on campus, man, on the golf cart, chilling, yes. man. It's, it's a little too hot, man, for long sleeves. I'm going to tell you, man. I know it was 8 o'clock, but it's still hot. Lightweight, man. Florida boy. You know how we do it, man. This is lightweight. This is breathable. Breathable, breathable material. I don't care how breathable it is, man. You can't catch me. That's why I'm inside with the hoodie, man. I got the AC freezing. But, man, guys, appreciate y'all tuning in, man. Hit the like button. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. You can catch the replay of this if you're listening on all podcast streaming platforms. You got the social medias for myself, my guy, Coach Fred, and the Blue Bloods itself. Man, we got a lot of topics to get into tonight. We, we jumped it up to four topics. Probably going to go and take some of y'all's questions as well, man. We're going to talk a little okay. bit about the sleepers in each FCS conference, potential FCS over FBS upsets. You see the poll in the chat, man. Let me know how many F FCS teams are going to upset an FBS team this year. And then there was a debate, man. There's been a lot of people talking about this, and we know the Steve McNair receiving highs, uh, Heisman votes. What was it? Lock bomb from Holy Cross receiving Heisman votes back in like the 80s from Holy Way Cross. Yep. We got to really talk and get into, is the FCS locked out of Heisman consideration? And if not, what would it take from an FCS prospect to get those votes? We're going to have that debate here on the show. And then man, me and Coach have a big announcement at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. And it's, it's going to correlate really well with our next up segment in terms of highlighting some of the best up-and-coming FCS assistants in the game. And we're going to get to why that's important later in the show. But, Coach, let's, let's just go ahead and jump into the sleeper conversation. So the first thing I want to say is, for me, I just want to define sleeper. I've, I define sleeper as someone who wasn't voted top two in their conference ah, it, okay. coming into the preseason. And if you're the swack and have divisions, you can't be top two in your division. That's how I look at it. Coming into the preseason, are you a top ten? Are you a top two team in your conference, or are you a top two team in your division? If not, is it a surprise? that you won the conference. And I even think for me, I want to get your opinion, coach. If there's a conference like the Patriot league, they got eight teams. Holy cross is going for five or six in a row. Now I think everyone other than Holy cross may be a sleeper to win that <laughs> conference at this point. Yeah. Um, because it's a, it's been a far gone conclusion that it's going to be uh, them and then everybody else. I, I'd agree with you on that one. Especially with 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 Sluka and all those guys coming back, man, they they just came off of almost competing with South Dakota State in the playoffs. But let's start here. We'll go in we'll, we'll go in alphabetical order with the conferences. Let's start with the Big Sky, Coach. I'll kick this one off. For me, I'm looking at obviously Montana State is the favorite to to get out of that conference. I think Idaho is is right around there. Second, my sleeper team here is Sacramento State. Now, it might come as a surprise because Sacramento State has won like three or four of the last five Big Sky championships, but everyone's kind of counting them out. New head coach, replacing a quarterback, replacing a running back, that everyone's kind of saying, man, Sac State's their pick to fall off the face of the earth. When I'm looking at this team, they bring in an experienced quarterback in Carson Camp. You return Marcus Fulcher, who I think could be due for a breakout season. I saw a lot of promise from Fulcher last season. Their offensive line returns most of their nucleus. They have FCS, all the American potential there. The defense, I think, yes, you lose Marte, who's now with the Patriots doing his thing from linebacker, but you still have a big sky defensive player of the year candidate and Armand Bailey there at linebacker slash edge rusher. You've got some nice guys on the, on the interior. Of course, 
course, um, was it Nelson comes back, Caleb Nelson at cornerback. I think they're going to be better than a lot of people think. And so for me, Sacramento State, I, I really do think that Troy Taylor has set a groundwork there. Bringing up Andy Thompson, he knows what it's going to take to win in the Big Sky. To me, I would not be surprised if Sacramento State is the sleeper team that competes for that Big Sky championship. I, I had them down, and then I, I, I stretched them off. Um, but I had them down for pretty much the same reasons that you uh, had them have them down. But then I stretched them off for the same reasons that you named. Um, that running game, the quarterback, uh, the head coach, um, several assistants left. Um, so I, I ended up stretching them off my list and I went, which you said really doesn't qualify, but I went Idaho, um, That's fair. because, uh, you know, in the game, man, you know, it when you have that guy calling the signals and he's experienced and he's explosive, uh, you know, you give yourself a chance every single game. Uh, so Idaho was my team from the big sky, um, uh, B was was sacked, but man, they just lost so much production for those two players. Um, head coach groundwork, of course, you know, people will say it's not the guys in the college shirt, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's, so to speak. But you know, when you put that down and then they had the run they had, um, how much of a letdown is gonna be uh from those guys leaving to uh you know the new guy coming in? Did he leave it the same? Or did he say, you know what, this is mine, this is going to be my imprint? And I think that's the most important thing uh, when you're talking about, you know, Sac State. Yeah, I, I really don't – because Idaho's tricky because they, they come into the season with a lot of hype. But let's be honest, I mean, this is a team that just two years ago was at the bottom of this conference. Like, <laughs> but then they got a quarterback. Weak. Yeah, it, and it's kind of weird looking at it that now they're getting to FCS top five consideration, and we haven't seen them win eight games under Eck yet. Yeah, and, and so FBS program. Yeah. That had to come down. And I, I do like what you said that they're like, we talked last show. They're the only team in the country returning two 1000 yard wide receivers. you got the Jerry Rice award winner coming back at quarterback. Your offensive line's pretty experienced for the most part. You bring back your leading rusher. Eck has shown that he can listen that, that, that dude can coach with the best of them. And, I don't, I don't mind Idaho there because they're that weird position where like they're a favorite, but they're also a sleeper because everyone's like, yeah. are they getting pumped up too quickly? And we've seen that. We've seen teams get have one, you know, kind of a breakout season and they hit that sophomore slump in year two with their coach. And they don't, yeah, they don't, they don't live up to the hype. So I don't mind that. And Lawrence put in the chat, Northern Arizona probably would have been my number two pick. Um, with what they're bringing back. They've always kind of been right there on the edge where they kind of get just lost in the pack. And I also think Eastern Washington is an interesting one too because they've been at the top for so long. And last season, man, they, they it just didn't work. As soon as Eric Berrier left, there was issues in Eastern Washington last season. They hit that little low, uh, what was it, two-game slide or something like that? Um, oh, no. It, they, I think they finished with like three wins or four wins. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a deep slide. Now, they do play in one of the most competitive conferences in the country. And that's Top all. Bottom. Yeah, that's all good. But, man, shifting to the Big South OVC. You know, this is the first year of the merger. There's going to be one auto bid. I think SEMO and UT Martin are the obvious favorites coming out of the, this this new new merger merge conference. I think it's easy to me. I don't know how you feel. Tennessee State's where I'm going with this one. And I was scared of that. I was scared of that. Yeah, I, of that. I get it. Because, because listen, hist- the, the best tell of future, like if you're predicting the future, you can only use what's happened historically. 
historically they're not winning the OVC. They're not, and and it's even harder because you merge with the Big South now. You have Gardner Webb, Bryant's kind of on the come up with with Zevi at quarterback. So it's it's a it's a risk here. But here's what I say: I, I look at quarterback. You have the experience and you have the upside with Draylon Ellis, who's done it at the highest level with with Austin P. I think when you look at the running back. And Rouse is good. I wish you would have been able to keep keep Starling, but I understand some off-field situations happened. He needed a fresh start, so it's all good. Offensive line looks pretty strong. Wide receiver looks loaded right now. And then your strongest point of your team was your defense. You didn't lose anybody, you know, for the most part outside of T.D. Patterson, but you replaced him with Monroe Beard, who's a three-time Mm all-conference selection. And then you have an All-American candidate at defensive tackle in Terrell Allen, and you pair him with Jalen Bell from Valley, who's a multi-time all-conference selection as well, and you return Bryce Bryce Phillips at cornerback. Both your safeties come back. I love Brandon Fisher as a defensive coordinator, so I, I really do think if there's a year where Tennessee State's going to make a run at this, it has to be this year, but I get why they have to be a sleeper because they have not shown, even with all the talent that Tennessee State's had over the years, they haven't shown that they can do anything with it yet. To get over the hump, you're right. Um now it's going to be, you know, can can E.G. Eddie George get it done? Um, and like you said, this conference is is a new, fairly new deal. But when you look at it, like you said, the roster, uh, it's it's stacked. It, it, it looks pretty good, you know, one through two. Um, and when I tell you mine, you're going to be like, uh, but then when you look at the schedule, I think it sets up for uh, for UT Martin. Um, to be in the thick of it at the end of the end of the schedule, end of the year. Um, I think it's a uh, a setup for them. They were they were right there. And then I think they had some injuries in the middle of the year that kind of slowed them just a little bit. Um I, I like them just because of the 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 scheduling, so to speak. Um but Tennessee State, man, I just I was kind of like you, if it's gonna be the year, um, this has got to be the year uh those guys yeah. you know uh top players or, or junior senior type kids now um been through the fire uh they, they're they're experienced so now can they handle like you said the last school can they handle the hype and you know take it in between the lines because there's been some hype coming out of uh you know tennessee so yeah. you know we'll see how they handle that but I'll, i'm saying ut martin yeah, and Lawrence Lawrence in the chat put Brian in Tennessee State as his picks. I, I like Bryant as well. I think Zevi has taken a big step forward. They return Landon at wide receiver. It's just – Do they have Bryant, enough? Yeah, like defensively worries me about Bryant right yeah. now. now. Do they have enough front, to win a shootout? Yeah, their front seven's there, but I just don't know about the secondary right now for Bryant. That's what concerns me. We'll see, but I, Bryant is an up-and-coming team, and that would be an interesting one as well. When you look at the CAA, Coach, we got – like 15 teams right now going to add Bryant in 2024. Maybe he's going to have like a 25 team conference at this point. But <laughs> when you look at the CAA, William and Mary, I, I think is the obvious favorite here. But when I look across the conference with question marks and, and who's coming in, I Monmouth sticks out to me in a big way because mm. you hear William and Mary, you kind of, you hear New Hampshire as well, kind of at the top. Delaware always gets the benefit of the doubt. Mm. Richmond, Rhode Island. Monmouth is interesting. You've returned Jaden Sheridan, who finished third for the Walter Payton Award, is probably the best running back in the country coming back. You 
return a lot at wide receiver. Dimir Miller is going to lead you there. Defensively, all your guys return from injury. Eddie Morales, I'm thinking of specifically at safety. There's not a lot of holes for Monmouth. Offensive line looks really good. If you can answer the quarterback question for me, because Tony must get a big loss transferring to Virginia, if you can find a good quarterback, you know you have the O-line, you know you have the skill position players, your running back's the best in the country. All, you have all the makings of a team who can make a small run here in the CAA, and I think Monmouth, after getting some experience running through the CAA these past two seasons, this could finally be the year where they're like, okay, we know what it's, we know what the grind's going to be like. We have all the pieces. We got the star player, man. Let's go out here and make a run for this championship. And I would not be surprised if Monmouth was that sleeper team that snuck up on some people this year. I had them as well. Um, and then right behind it, I had New Hampshire um, because, like you said, the 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 hype. Um, they're going to always, like you said, be there. That conference is that the largest conference in, in college football? Yes. Oh, okay. uh, college football right now, I think, because they're before they realign. Yeah. yeah, but but then once the FBS kind of finishes their realignment, they'll be like right up there. But uh, next year they'll be at sixteen. So what with the Big Ten's at what going to be at sixteen ish? Yeah, with possibly I guess two more to add or whatever. Yeah, with but, possibly eighteen. So they'll be like right there at the top. But uh, in FCS, that's the largest football conference. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So I got New Hampshire. And again, according to your rule, I probably shouldn't have because they are picked to finish second. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, again, you know, we, William and Mary, all those guys, man, are, are right there. And I think it's just kind of who's going to be able to hold it at the end and stay healthy. Yeah. I'll, I'll listen. I, I think New Hampshire is such an interesting team. Now, I didn't include them because I think, yeah, they're my second best team in the conference <laughs> right now. But if William and Mary, because listen, as good as Mike London has been, as good as they, they've returned so many big pieces, I have them fourth in my top 25, so I don't think they're going to fall off. But if Vincent Brown leaving his D.C. is as big of a loss as it could be, man, man, New yeah. Hampshire's sitting right there in the wing. And yep. they, they, they could sneak up. They won a playoff game last year, of course, you know, beat, beating Fordham. They got, that, they got that taste of postseason. Man, New Hampshire could be an interesting team come late in the season, man. Quickly here, I mean, because Ivy League don't participate in postseason. You know, they right. they do their own thing. They don't even kick off, and they just now started fall camp this week because they kick off like week three is their week one. So they're a little bit behind everyone. Obviously, Yale voted preseason favorites. I'm riding with Harvard here as my dark horse. I think Ooh. when I look at Harvard, they lost a lot. They lost Aiden at running back. Charlie Dean, their starting quarterback, transfers to Western Carolina. Um, that they lose their top wide receiver as well to uh, Delaware. But, man, that defensive line is good enough to carry this team, I think. I mean, their defense is absolutely loaded. Thor Griffith, probably going to be one of the top NFL prospects coming out of the FCS. You also return Nate at defensive end. I mean, the defensive line is going to be elite. And if the defense can be good enough early in the season to kind of let the offense catch its breath and get some of those young guys some experience – do not be surprised if Harvard can make a small run here in the Ivy League because I don't think the margin of error in this conference is as big as some of the other ones where you have a clear favorite, maybe some possible contenders in the bottom feeders. I think, man, there's probably four Ivy League teams, man, that if you told me they won the Ivy League this year, I wouldn't be surprised. They were all kind of pretty much bunched there together at the end last year. Uh, yeah, with I a think a couple four, eight and two teams. Yeah, four teams. I want to, what was it? Yale, I want to say. Princeton, 
Yep. Penn, yep. And I think maybe even Harvard had a chance to win the conference at the end of the year last yeah. year. Harvard at the end. Um, but those other three were all right there, eight two, eight and two. Um, and then you know, the the champs pulled off. Uh mine is Penn, but let me ask you something about that conference. Do you think that they could compete week in, week out outside of the Ivy League? At a yes, high level? so uh the funny enough you ask. They have one of they if if I don't know if it's the highest, I think it's either one or two. They have the highest out of conference win percentage of any FCS conference right now, like over the past like five years. Like they actually perform well, really well out of conference. <laughs> well, teachers be, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, cool. okay. I, they just kind of get over like they're that weird. Co- uh, listen, it, it I, I get why they do it because of the money and also because like let's it's about the books. Like, they, like when you say student athlete. There's some conferences the where it's athlete students. <laughs> the Ivy League is student athletes. Like they're always going to put the student before the athlete. So I understand it. But if there was a way for the Ivy to play postseason play, I really wish they would. Cause I really, if anyone has really sat down and watched Ivy League football, man, the quality of talent on those teams is not bad. And they consistently compete with some of the teams that are going to the playoffs and some of these teams that, get over i mean listen harvard has competed with with holy cross over the past right. few years i mean like these teams aren't just slacking and and when they go up against the MEAC teams they beat them a lot of the times as well because you know yale and harvard and some of these teams have played some of the MEAC schools the ivy could compete out of conference and they do really well doing it it's just the problem is they're not going to go probably travel to a north dakota state a montana state a uc davis an incarnate word they kind of stay in that northeast region which kind of limits their reach in terms of notoriety and i just think the ivy league's missing out on so much attention because the quality of play is there man they got really good players i really like some of the talent that these teams have had and let's be honest i know some people are going to disagree with me there's some ivy league teams that could have competed deep into the playoffs over the past what 10 15 years i really believe that and so it's kind of disappointing that they get overlooked like that and and i think you hit it on the head i don't think they even care um, no, probably not. <laughs> I would imagine not. That's not even a, a thought of theirs. So, um, you know, I, I, I was just wondering because they are in their league. Like you said, they have a lot of talent. Um, and I was just wondering if they ever stepped out of there. Where, how do you think they would rank on that deal? So, OK, I feel you. I'm with you. I could, yeah. I could, I could get with that. Hey, and Lawrence agrees with you. He picked Penn as well in the chat. That's, that's my FCS guy in there. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Me at coach, but listen, let's just be honest. This is a six team conference, so it's kind of hard to pick a sleeper. Let's just keep it a buck. It's central and everybody else. So you really could have picked any of the other five teams in this conference to to be a sleeper. Um, I went with Morgan though. I think that was an obvious pick for you anyone like who's them. watched. I do. Yeah, you like um, them. Listen, Morgan has the opportunity to do something special this year. It, the one question I have is quarterback. That's it. They have the running back. Offensive line returns. They have the skill positions, man. Keith Jenkins Jr. is going to be a superstar when he gets the shine that he deserves. And then on top of that, the defense is going to be elite. They got one of the best linebacking cores in the country. Not the MEAC, not HBC football. They got one of the best linebacking cores in the country. And that, and they got an All-American defensive lineman coming back and Elijah Williams. And the secondary is loaded. I just Morgan has all the makings. The one thing they don't have that Central does is an elite quarterback. And that's what's going to, I think, going to separate. That's why I don't think they're getting that, you know, true contender status in which relegated them to being a sleeper for me. And 
again, I, I don't know if anybody from Morgan listens to us or, or checks us <laughs> out, but they need to hire you. Uh, you've been blowing that horn for a while. I'll give you that. Um, mine is, is, is Howard. Um, again, like if you, if you listen to the outside noise, they did a lot in the portal. Um, and they are co-champs, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no shot, no, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, so, you know, this is it. This is, this is what you said you wanted the opportunity for. This is what you went heavy in the portal for. Um, so they are my sleeper, but I, it's like you said, it's it's the one team and everybody else. Um, yeah. But not counting out Morgan, but I, I, I picked Howard. I don't mind Howard. I, I think just being the co-champs, I, you know, for me, it was, it's one of those, man, when you got six teams, man, how's, it's so hard to pick a sleeper. What are you going to do, pick Norfolk? There's no chance <laughs> I'm picking Norfolk for that. That would, that would um, really be the sleeper. Missouri Valley. Okay, let's just be honest. As long as you pick someone other than North Dakota or South Dakota State, it should be ruled a sleeper because it's been a long time since anyone other than one of those two teams have won this conference. Um, man, I had a tough time with this one. Uh, probably shockingly to some people, I was really torn. Like my 1A, 1B for me is Youngstown State, Northern Iowa. Oh. Both Ooh. of those teams are so interesting. Youngstown had took a major step forward, and that could be a sleeping giant in the FCS. Listen, mm-hmm. they were that they're really and truly one of the blue bloods of FCS football. Man, think about back in the Trestle days. Yeah, no yeah. one wanted to see Youngstown. Yeah, back in the day, so it, they've just kind of been slowly building back. They were a borderline top twenty-five team. They're twenty-fifth in my preseason ballot. I think Youngstown has to make it. I like their offensive line. Replacing Jaleel McLaughlin is going to be big, but I think the quarterback looks good. I love their wide receiving unit. And also defensive line looks stout, man. You have to have a big physical defensive line to compete in the MVFC, and I think Youngstown does. But when I look at Northern Iowa, man, Theo Day's electric at quarterback, probably one of the top quarterbacks in the country. Mm-hmm. You return a lot of weapons at wide receiver. Offensive line's always been elite for Northern Iowa. And then on top of that, you look at the secondary, man. Wu Governor and Edwin Deerman and all those guys back there also, man, the potential's through the roof. And then on the defensive line, you get Christian Boyd. Man, both of these teams can make a sneaky run. But Northern Iowa... Man, they if they get it rolling, Northern Iowa is a team that can go from not a preseason top 25 team to real quick making a run for the top 10 if things get rolling in the right direction for them. Uh, I'm with you. I don't even want to say my pick, but, like, who – I got to have you. Now, who was picked to win it? South Dakota State. Okay, so I was okay. Well, I think we lost you, Coach. We're gonna get coached back here in a minute. I want to see who I, I want to see who he picked for his MVFC pick. Um, I see my guy Dave in the chat picked Weber for the big sky. My guy Lawrence picked Northern Iowa for the MVFC. Man, Dave, I'm telling you, Youngstown's that weird team, man. Like, I they have the elite history of uh, just being a dominant program at one point, and it just it, it's it is falling hey. off. Hey, we got coached back with us, okay. Um, so who was picked to win it again? South South Dakota State was picked to win. So I'm okay with saying that North Dakota State is my <laughs> my dark horse, uh, you know, because they didn't win it last year. Um, and Fair enough. And they weren't picked to win it this year. So I went with the safe dark horse, and you know mm. why. Uh, I, I think that program is going to be a little upset uh, coming into the year. Um, 
because of, I think, the preseason hype. And it's a proud program. Um, So, you know, that's – we don't have to talk about it because we know the program, but that's my dark horse. Uh, hey, hey, my guy Dave, North Dakota State fan in the chat, lo- loves that. He says, salute to you, Coach Fred. <laughs> Horns up. Um, you know, quickly, because I know I, these next three conferences, I know some people, you know, it, it's it's tough to pick a sleeper because they've um, – some of these teams aren't eligible, and, and one of these is a non-scholarship. We'll hit NEC first. Obviously, St. Francis, the returning champs, uh, were picked to win it. Mary Mack, not eligible for postseason play due to their transition. I think they still got one year left on it so just I, I they would be my sleeper to win it honestly but i will throw a quick shout out to sacred heart man returning malik grant they're gonna have a, probably a new quarterback stepping in there but they got a lot of defensive talent and sacred heart up until last season was on like a two or three year win streak and i think they're kind of being overlooked i want to say they were finished picked to finish like third or fourth in the conference and another one to look out for is long island man they had like the second most all conference selections for me this preseason they returned quarterback wide receiver running back multiple offensive linemen they have an fcs all-american defensive lineman eric o'neill long island's got a lot of boxes checked man that could be a scary team in the nec um i didn't have them i had you know merrimack like you said yeah um so um I didn't realize that, like you said, Long Island was as stacked as they are. Uh, I like you know, I like Long through. Island, man. I, I really do. I think they could be sneaky good. Now, Patriot, obviously, man, they got seven teams in the conference. Holy Cross is one is is on like a five four year win streak now. They're going for five in a row. I. It might be cheating. I think it's Fordham. If anyone's yes. going to knock them off, it's Fordham. I mean, yes. I, I know they're going in with a new quarterback, but I don't see anyone else. Like, I do agree with Lawrence. Lafayette would probably be my, like, 1B team there. Yeah. But I, I've really just – as much as it's a sleeper, man, I think Holy Cross is running away with this conference again. I, I just – I don't see anyone touching them. Well, in the until picture. someone does. You're right. Until yeah. someone does. Uh, yeah, until but... someone does, and then I'm going to be like, hey, I was an idiot and said they couldn't be beat. But right now, I just don't see a team good enough to knock them off. Pioneer, non-scholarship, of course. Um, it, It's tough because – St. Thomas, not eligible, of course. They went from D3 to D1 and went 10 and 1. They're like absolutely this last crazy. Year. Yeah, undefeated in, in conference play. Absolutely it's crazy. Ignorant. I think the sleeper for me, though, will probably be San Diego, bringing in a new coach from the mm. Division II ranks who was coaching over at the uh, Colorado School of the Mines. Love what he's bringing Good in. Program. San Diego. Yeah, San Diego's kind of been that program of the pioneer that's always been up and down, but, man, their highs are very high. I think San Diego could have a bounce-back year, man. They would be my sleeper even with the first-year head coach. Um, I had the uh, fighting Steph Currys. Um, I like it. Davis. You know, yep, yep. Um, you know, again, not knowing much about that conference, uh, yeah. you go back and you look at the numbers. Uh, they, they finished on a strong note, and – if I'm not mistaken, they're non-scholarship as well. I mean, the whole conference. Yeah, the whole mean, conference. They, uh, the whole conference. But when you when you look at the the talent um, and go pull up a, a clip or two, you know, those are some high-level kids that are playing on academic scholarships, you know, money out of, you know, Blue Bloods, NIL, whatever. Um, and it's, it costs a pretty penny to go there, and they're pretty competitive. Um, I just think uh, the way they finished in that third slot, um, I think that qualified as the dark horse, right? 
Yeah, no, I thought so, that's right. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you about the one or the two spot. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had to come up with some criteria because some of these are tough, <laughs> man. Like, I mean, I'll be honest, like going to the SOCON, though, man, this conference, hell, everyone's a sleeper because I, I think I forgot how many years in a row it's been now. The preseason favorite has not won the conference. Sanford was picked to finish seventh last year, wins it. They're the favorite coming in. Coach, this one to me scream sleeper like this is this team might be why i wanted to do this topic to be honest with you it's western carolina oh and it's western carolina by a lot i mean kerwin bell he smells it in the water man talking to him at at, at, at um socom media day he said man this team resembles my valdosta state team where we went and won the national title our first year he was like, Ooh. it resembles that team to a T. He was like, he, like he he is so confident, man. They their quarterback situation playing out. They got a bunch of experienced quarterbacks fighting. And Cole Gonzalez looks like the dude at quarterback. You return a freshman All American and Desmond Reed. Wide receivers loaded. They have one of the most experienced offensive lines in the country. Two guys with over forty plus starts on the offensive line. Defensive line has a few has a few guys who I think could be due for breakout seasons. And then at linebacker. You return all your whole linebacker unit and then go out and get an FCS All-American and Antoine Williams from Austin P. And then your secondary is led by Andres Keaton as well. Western Carolina could be scary this year if that defense catches up to Kerwin's Bell, Kerwin Bell's offense. And that's the reason I had them because of him and his offense. Um, mm-hmm. I think he is uh, one of those minds that they could probably go in and survive a couple weeks of a 42-44 shootout type thing easily and not miss a a beat. Um, But I think the question for them, uh, you hit it on the head, is who's going to be the guy controlling the offense. But, you know, his system is proven. Um, And when you say that, I was just – I really just reached for it because of him. Um, But then you you go – when you go rattle those off, man – how many years in a row that the pick hadn't won it? So now, I, I gotta think, I gotta go back and look, but I want to say it, it it's a few now. Like someone in the a, chat, let me know. I mean, <laughs> it like the SoCon's like thing is like people don't want to be voted first. That's a, so that's like, spot point, you like, don't do want. not give us first place votes. <laughs> like <laughs> that's the spot you don't want. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's the top that, spot. Wow. That, this this conference is so unpredictable, man, and that's why I love it, man. I I think SoCon football is underrated. I I get it. The Big Sky MVFC dominate because of, uh, of you know dominate because they win the championships. The swag, it's got the TV, you know, the TV lockdown, the the stadiums, the attendance. But man, the SoCon in terms of just like any given week, someone can get caught. Man, that you can't get anything like the SoCon is just pure chaos, and and sign me up for that as a football guy any day of the week. Southland, obviously, the two favorites are Incarnate Word in Southeastern Louisiana. It's going to take a lot to knock either one of those teams off. When I'm looking across McNeese, I know you don't want to hear that. I was just saying, ooh, but yeah, I know you don't want to hear that. But man, uh, it it almost seems like a Kerwin Bell situation because we know obviously golf just took over for Kerwin Bell when he left. Mm-hmm. The thing, like and me and you talked about it last show, the fact that they might have some quarterback play is scary in golf system. I mean, they went and got that kid, Trey Simmons, who was playing out of, what was it, Tusculum? Yep. First team all-conference guy, I mean, and could just ball out. Came from nowhere. Yeah. yeah, came out of nowhere last year and just, and just went crazy. And on top of that, too, I'm trying to – I got to pull it up. They got another transfer quarterback too. That's like competing with them. 
who who came I think out they of had three guys. Yeah, well, no, um, here it is. Nate Glantz. He was a transfer from Iowa State who went to Iowa Western and was and was a JUCO All-American and was the yeah. National Junior College Association Player of the Year and went 18 and two as yeah. a starter. I got to see the, him. At, <laughs> at the JUCO level, so I'm going with McNeese State. They return. They 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 got some talent on defense as well. I think if anyone's primed to take that next step forward and knock off Incarnate Word of Southeastern Louisiana, it's McNeese State. And man, heck, they were even receiving votes in the preseason top 25 poll, which is outrageous for <laughs> for that. But you know, I still think they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. I went southeastern, so we don't have to really talk about that a lot. But uh, that was a safe pick. Southeastern, <laughs> no, Bro, not southeastern. They... Uh, not southeastern, but I mean, the number two pick. But I mean, that was a safe pick. That, that's that fair. Was, I, that I got was before. You. That was before you said it can be the top two. But I, I feel you. you know, I got you. <laughs> but I would not have picked Denise. I mean, I got to face those guys. You know. Oh but... yeah, no, you, you can't give them any confidence. Like, <laughs> I, I definitely feel you. Um, the swag, you know. Listen, and we'll make it a little bit easier. We'll, we can go by division, um, just because they're one of the only they're the only conference with divisions. When I look at the East, it's tough to pick a sleeper in the East because I just think the top two are so far ahead. And I, I don't know Alabama State. I won't really consider a sleeper. I'm gonna go with I got to go with A and M just like by default almost because Alabama State's not sneaking up on anybody. And I think no. when I look at A and M, they got the running back. Offensive line returns a lot of talent. You've got a first-team uh-huh. all-conference guy, defensive end. Uh-huh. The question mark is linebacker and secondary, and we all know they brought in Quad Brown. Of course, um, they got a few guys returning, Lankford, Quincy Casey. If Maynard can find a quarterback, he is dangerous. Yep. And that's got to be the scariest thing for the East is if he gets lucky and Quad Brown – Becomes the guy clicks. and lives up, or Quincy Casey or Lankford take a big step forward. Yep. That could be terrifying if Maynard can reestablish that offensive scheme and that defense can just be average. I don't need when I got an elite offense, I don't need my defense to rank one, two, or three in the conference. I need you like five, six, or seven. Just be yeah. like right there in the middle. Be just good enough to stops. win me a yeah. yeah. Give me like five, six stops. Like that's all I need, bro. Just yeah. keep them under 35 points and we're scoring 40 a game. Like that's yeah. what you need. And so with May, I- I'm gonna give Alabama AM my sleeper pick in the um, East. I, w- I would go with them as well because everybody's waiting on Alabama State. Everybody's waiting yeah. on it. You know, you look at it on paper. Everybody's waiting on it. Now, if it happens, you know, like you said, it's not that big of a like, wow. You know, but I think the A&M situation would be more of a wow. OK, he got that because no one is expecting him to do anything because of the quarterback situation. Um, yeah. So if one of those things does click, I think that would be a uh, I think that's a solid circle uh, for a, uh, you know, a sleeper pick. Yeah, uh, and for the for the West, <laughs> you and Southern are top two based on the preseason vote. So, I, I look, I'm torn because I part of me wants to pick Texas Southern, but at the same time, it's like at, at, they're getting hyped up so much that like, would that be a sleeper pick? It's yeah. just tough because like everyone's picking someone different in the West. I would say it's a combination of Texas Southern Grambling because. This is if, if Hugh has set himself up to where if they don't win this year, man, that pressure it gets real. It, listen, it gets real stuffy and grambling this all season because you got the, you got a new OC, new quarterback coach, hell, new quarterback. 
You yeah. return all your weapons. Your running back room's loaded. You return the SWAT defensive player of the year in Sunday Yada Anderson. Return Lewis Matthews at wide receiver. And the excuses are starting to run out a little bit. And you got to go win something, especially that last game of the year, the Bayou Classic. You got to go get that win in New Orleans. And so I, I think if Grambling takes that step, man, they could really sneak up on some people and be that sleeper because what they're predicted to finish, what, fifth? No, yeah, fourth, fourth, fourth or fourth. fifth. Yeah, in, 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 in the division. So I would say Grambling. And then, of course, I, I think as much hype as Texas Southern's getting, it would still be shocking because, man, when's the last time Texas Southern won the swag? Yeah, it's been a minute, and I want to say their last time they won it, didn't they get it like taken away? Yeah, I think they had to vacate it. Or something yeah, like so that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, hell, who knows when the last like valid non-vacated championship was for Texas Southern? So I think you got to give them that just based on like finally Texas Southern would have a breakthrough. I I, I would say that, and then you know my pick would be Alcorn State. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people aren't really talking uh, much about us, which is cool. Um, probably should have been picked a little deeper down than where we were, but you know, they, they gave us that pick at, off of merit of who coach Mac is in the program. But for the West, I'd say Alcorn state. Oh man. I also would feel bad because I'm wearing an Andrew body hoodie too. So I did, I had to pick also ah. give Texas Southern a shout out there, but man, the final conference, the UAC, combination of the a sun WAC, obviously Eastern Kentucky. Well, okay. So pause, they haven't released a preseason poll for some reason. They had their media day and they were like, hey, we're, we're going to take it. We're going to release this at a later date. So I don't know who's <laughs> the predicted favorite. I want to say it's Eastern Kentucky, but, you know, you never know in, in today's age. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why they haven't released that. But I look at Austin P mm. as my sleeper. I think Austin P with like Southern Utah being like that one B pick, but Scotty Walden, it has this team just on a trajectory that I, I just, I got a feeling they're going to break through eventually. And they return their quarterback. They, they they return a good bit of their offensive line. And as I counted them out at times last year, Coach, and they kind of proved me wrong where I was like, man, they lost all this talent. Everyone's transferred out. I just don't yep. know what they're going to do. And they nailed all their, like, replacements. It was like everyone they went and got to replace yep. someone, like, ended up being great. Paper. Yeah. And it's just like, how can that happen again? Now, Incarnate Words showed that it probably could be done a few times if you do it right. <laughs> so I just, I, I, I think Austin P is right there on the precipice of something special. And if this is going to be the gears this year, and then with Southern Utah, they had a big step. I want to say they went from one win to like six last year, which is a huge step up. One win to five or six wins, which is big. If they can take that next step, their quarterback, probably the Challenge second best in, yeah, in the league, they return an elite weapon and Isaiah Wooden, a special teams and a wide receiver weapon. I just think that they got a lot of boxes checked, especially on the defensive line as well. Even after losing Christie to the, uh, you know, just matriculation, he's off at the CFL. Now Southern Utah is an interesting team. Their head coach energy off the charts. This could be a sneaky team, but I, I think right now, I think it's safe to say central Arkansas, Eastern Kentucky are probably the two favorites right now. And what's the reason behind not releasing it? Do you know? I don't know. So, okay. So when we got to media day, they said, um, they said they were going to release like the week before week of the first, like week zero. Mm -hmm. And they're going to release like the preseason, all, um, all conference and, and voting. I don't know if it was just because everything kind of came together really fast in terms of creating a new conference or trying to, but they kind of put it all on the back burner. I don't know why they did it, but 
that's how they chose to do it. I'm hoping that's not like a yearly thing. They released it at media day, so we got stuff to ask coaches and players. Yeah, so that was my next question. So how did you guys navigate that through, you know, your questions and stuff like that at media day? Um, I, did, I mean, for me at least, I just kind of asked – you know, for our, I usually come into media day with questions prepared. And then like, if I need an extra question, I'll pull one from like the all conference team or the prediction. But if you go watch a lot of my media day interviews, I don't, um, I, I really don't try to like base all my questions off of like the preseason stuff. I, and now if I need, if something's like crazy, like if all corn would have been picked six, I'm absolutely asking Fred McNair, like how does it feel to be picked last? Like that's a little <laughs> outrageous. Or if Jackson would have been picked six, like TC, well, like how does it feel to be picked behind Bethune Cookman? Like if something stupid yeah. happens, I'm absolutely yeah. asking about it. But if everything looks to par, I probably just, you know, I already got questions about the roster, about players' careers, about recruiting, about staff mm -hmm. hires, stuff like that that's happened elsewhere during the offseason. Okay. I was just wondering. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I went with uh, Austin P because of the, the last thing you said, uh, the recruiting aspect, and, uh, you know, just talking to people that have been around him as a, you know, as a coach, you know, the energy uh, that he brings, you know, now – in this turn, like you said, this this turnaround, can you can you duplicate it? Can you put that energy, that jolt of energy back into the program to get you over the hump, uh, so to speak? And, you know, from the people that I know that have been with him, been around him, uh, that's the next step in their process. You know, he's going to put the energy. They went and did it in the recruiting and the portal and the whole nine. Um, and they say he's a guy that can pull it together. So I'm kind of like you on that sense, like, Hey, let's see what he can do. If 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 it comes together, uh, they they've got a pretty good shot at it because again, you're talking about guys that they brought in that have college experience at a high level, so to speak, um, and hit the ground running. So can he put the energy in the program to take the next step? And I think they can. And that I don't know if they qualify as a sleeper because we don't know how they've they've been picked in the order. But I, I'll go with Austin right. P as well. I thought that so when, when I look at the order, like just thinking about the conference, I think it's going to probably be Eastern Kentucky or Central Arkansas. Like that's going to be the one and two for sure. And then I think Austin, Austin P is probably a candidate for that number three position, maybe Stephen F. Austin. Um, they're probably going to be somewhere around the three to five position. I would have to guess when they release it, just kind of based on like what I'm thinking of the conference. Right. Now, listen, we saw some, we saw some crazy like preseason votes. So I don't quote me on that, but <laughs> if, if everything follows like logically, they're probably somewhere around the three to five range. If I had to guess, um, but coach shift into potential FCS over FBS upsets in 2023. When, when you, this is, I, I, I love this question because every year, like we get something we don't see coming, like the Jacksonville State over over Florida State, like obviously the App State over Michigan. Um, last year, FCS teams de defeated FBS opponents only eight times. That was they they did it twelve in twenty twenty one. How many upsets do you see? And just give me like a rundown. You know, some of your top games that you're looking at as potential FCS over FBS upsets. I think the uh, the school up the street has a has a great opportunity um, going into uh, going into Texas State. Um, I now they they said they've reloaded. Um, the word is they are better than what they were uh, a few years ago, and they should have probably won that game at Monroe. 
Um, yeah. you know, I'll take that. Um, I'll take the uh the Braves down in in uh Hattiesburg as well. Uh that could turn into a situation of being like a home game. Um uh, and we've we've been close a couple times and hopefully we can kind of get over the hump, you know, this time and at least be right there in the fourth quarter uh with an opportunity, which is what we want. Um now I was gonna I was hoping you were gonna put up and we would debate through your uh your picks as well. Oh, I got you. I, but, I got uh, hey, I got my picks. Hey, I, we, we could do that too. Um, my number one one was Idaho at Nevada. Ooh, I, I think man, because listen, Nevada last year they got beat what fifty five to forty by Incarnate Word last year, and they went two and ten. They were zero and eight in the Mountain West last year. Yeah, that's my they, guy coming out they, party. <laughs> yeah, listen, atrocious. And when you look at Idaho. Listen, they gave up 435 passing yards to Incarnate Word. Man, Giovanni McCoy, Hayden we, Hatton, and Jermaine Jackson. We know what he do. <laughs> it, it might it might be rough. Yeah, we with know Idaho going into Nevada. I think I that's I agree with. I think Sam Herter had him number one on his list too. That's okay. one that I'm just chalking straight up as yeah, that's an absolute win. And let's be honest, it, here's how I pick my upsets. I go into the schedule. And I click on UMass's schedule. And any team playing <laughs> UMass, I'm picking. A, so guess what? Opportunity. Mary Mack at UMass, that's an upset. I they mean, have an listen, opportunity. The, the UMass has lost, I want to say, three to three FCS opponents in like the past four years. Yeah. And all of them have been to like non-playoff teams. <laughs> so, you, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, and, and last year they played Stony Brook and only beat them by, I want to say, 17, and Stony Brook won two games last year. Man. Man. Yeah. So, listen, I'm just going to go Merrimack. And, and you know how embarrassing that is for UMass? I want to put it in perspective. Merrimack just moved up from Division Two, So that's and an FBS team losing to a damn near Division Two team. There's still Division Two kids on that roster. You're right. Yeah, that's a fact. You're right. And You're they're right. and they're probably going to beat UMass by double digits. Like put that in put that in perspective for circle that. the people listening. Circle like, that. Man, come on, man. That that's ridiculous. I'm also looking at Incarnate Word at UTEP. Ooh, UTEP is not good. I'm just gonna I put it like that. I, I want to say they went like what five and seven last year. An incarnate word is on a streak right now. I want to say it's been two straight years with, with three different head coaches now beating FBS teams. I want to say they beat Texas State yep. uh, two years ago and then beat Nevada last year. UTEP, man, and that could that could be a huge in-state win because, let's be honest, an FCS school is probably recruiting against UTEP in the state of Texas. If incarnate word goes in there and puts on a show, with that with that first year staff, and then on top of that, listen, they're they're starting quarterback's going to be Zach Calzada, who last time you know last time we saw him knocked off number one Alabama in the state of Texas. I got a feeling <laughs> that uh, UTEP isn't going to scare him. No, that's that's not going to be a game that he's going to have jitters, so to speak. No, I, so I think UIW UTEP also like Rhode Island at Georgia State. Just I, I don't I I think that's pretty self-explanatory i mean rhode island's one of the top caa teams georgia state on the other hand four and eight and what they they replaced the whole staff this all season if i'm not mistaken and listen they got a seventh year quarterback at rhode island and kasim hill he has seen it all rhode island has competed with f with other fbs teams throughout his tenure 
this is going to be the year they're going to knock off somebody. And I think it's going to be Georgia State, especially because Ooh. Georgia State, I mean, it's not an intimidating environment. My bold one, no. though, I'm going to throw out my bold one here, and I don't think a lot of people are going to agree with me. William and Mary, is are, are they're going to beat Virginia this year. Oh, Mike London. And guess where Mike London coached? I said Mike London going back, huh? Oh, he's gonna get revenge. He's gonna. Put it on. <laughs> I got a. I got a strong feeling. William and Mary is going to beat Virginia. I mean, listen, William and Mary beat Charlotte last year, forty-one to twenty-four. Yeah. They returned what? John Pius, Nate Lynn, Jalen Jones at cornerback. They returned multiple offensive linemen. They returned their quarterback Darius Wilson. They returned Bronson Yoder at running back. They returned. Th- I want to say three of their top six wide receivers. I got a strong feeling William and Mary is going to because because you know so this good. coach coach if you I don't have have I don't know if Alcorn I don't know if Alcorn's ever had this happen because I guess Fred McNair doesn't have like if if let's say Fred McNair coached at X school and Alcorn had them on the schedule man do you know how easy it is to get that locker room fired up for that game oh that's circled <laughs> it's a wrap yeah, those kids th- those kids are going to want to beat Virginia to death oh. that weekend just for their coach. Oh, ain't no doubt. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that matchup. And I, I like how they, even if, even if they give them a scare, that's a statement by Mike London. Oh, that's, that's, that's going to be a, a statement game for him. Um, oh yeah. And the kids are going to pick that up. But you, like you said, that week, you won't have to say a word at practice. No. He, he won't have to say a word at practice. And, no, I, I, I I I literally cannot wait for that one. Also, like southeastern Louisiana at South Alabama, you guys should. Have, I want to say you guys should have had South Alabama what two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that South Alabama's I don't think is a very great team. Southeastern Louisiana returns a lot of talent, and I I I'd like them to at least give South Alabama a scare in that one as well. I think that could be that that could be a very very interesting game. And then uh, my last one, Holy Cross at Army. Mm. Uh, and that that one, if I'm not mistaken, is a little bit later in the season. Holy Cross has knocked off two straight FBS schools. I really like Holy Cross to do it again. Returning Jalen Coker, returning Matthew uh, Saluka at quarterback, returning most of their offensive line. Jacob Dobbs, an All-American linebacker, comes back from injury. Devin Haskins, an All-American in the secondary. That's a game that I have circled. And I I went kind of different than you because I figured you were going to name the Jackson game and everything. But I wanted to kind of give like a more broad approach to it. And those are probably the ones I look at. And I think FAMU has an interesting one against South Florida. Ooh, yeah, that that yeah. could be one. That's doable. That's yeah. that's doable. That's, and what and they, that, they Howard played them pretty close last year. For what what they beat Howard by like maybe less than twenty. Yeah, and I think it kind of got away late. Um, but that could turn into yeah. a home game for FAMU as well. Because uh, I think FAMU is better than Howard was last year. Just me personally. And on paper, they're supposed to be. Yeah, so, uh, like going into this year, definitely on yeah. paper they're supposed to be better. And South Florida. Let's, let's just be honest. Not very good. I'm just, right. it's, I mean, it's, it's not very good. Um, but man, uh, wanted to keep it moving. I know we took a lot of time on that first topic. We probably spent like forty minutes talking about the sleepers. But this this was posted. Someone sent it to me. It was in um for FCS um Reddit FCS had someone ask this question. There was a big debate. We know the history, man. The lock bombs from Holy Cross. What a two time 
finalists for the Heisman in the top five. McNair right. finishing third. Randy Moss, because Tom Marshall was FCS, Randy Moss right. was in consideration. But in the 2000s, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think an FCS player has received votes for the Heisman, like official votes. When, when I look at this debate, I think it's simple. But let's start here, Coach. Is the FCS locked out of Heisman consideration in today's age of college football? I think so. Um, I think so because the the hype machine is created so early for the you know the the FBS guys. Um, those those hype machines have started already, and you're talking about a school that has a a budget that they can just carry that out. Um, and then if the the candidate can halfway perform decent early on um, in those non-conference games. Uh, I think it just doesn't, it, it, it gives them such a, a boost to the point that I don't, I don't even think they even look at the numbers of, of the guys down at this level anymore. Uh, because I think the kid over at uh, Incarnate should have at least been talked about um, because he was just putting on shows. Uh, my quarterback up there, who I can't pronounce his name, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, Demorit. There's no way he shouldn't have gotten um, at least a mention uh, yeah. just because of the numbers. Um, so I think it's a complete lockout. Um, I don't think it's the same as it was back when, you know, the McNairs and those guys were getting uh, consideration. So I don't, I don't think it'll ever happen again. I could be wrong, uh, but I don't think it'll ever happen again. Yeah, I, I'm with you because um, the you game know, is I, just so different. Yeah, and, and I think and I think that's why it was important to kind of create the Walter Payton Award and kind of yes. hype that up because at the end of the day, you know, like and like Lawrence said, the FCS now has its own husband. Like that's what the Walter Payton Award is. The Butt Buchanan is 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 the next thing, and so I, I do think it's I, I do think it's locked out, and that's what I was telling people with Shador last year, and it's like. Yeah, like Shador had a different type of approach because he had the media storm behind him. But like, let's be honest, like Shador wasn't a top three quarterback in the FCS last year. So how in the hell was he going to be the guy to break through the glass ceiling of being a Heisman candidate? I mean, because because like, let's be honest, like if you were doing like a a draft last year, of like what quarterbacks would you want to start your team with at the FCS? Lindsey Scott, Tim DeMorit and um. Oh man, I'm like uh, Michael Hires at Sanford. All three are getting drafted before Shador based on their performances last year. So uh, it it just was never going to happen, and it was like a ridiculous Heisman hype thing that just didn't really catch on. Incarnate Word tried to get one going for Scott. I want to say Fordham did a post or two, but it's like you said, I just don't think the media buzz is there at the FCS level to really get something going. And that's why, like, the question that was proposed in like this thread was, what would what would an FCS prospect have to do to possibly even get into like the door of receiving a vote or consideration, not being a finalist, because we know that's probably never going to happen, but what would it take for a guy to be a finalist? And I'm looking across, like, let's just look at the two thousands Armonte Edwards at Appalachian state, no consideration Cooper cup at Eastern Washington, no consideration, Lindsay Scott, Cole Kelly, Tim DeMorit. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, Trey Lance, those I mean, guys had like, numbers. yeah, like nobody was getting that consideration. So, like, what would you realistically have to do? And like, 
man, I don't know because I don't even know if McNair numbers would get it to you. Like we get, we get, we give them consideration because I mean, Lindsey Scott was putting up. Stu- I mean, Lindsey Scott threw for what? What was it? Like seven touchdowns in in one half in two quarters. He threw seven touchdowns twice. Yep, and got benched and literally almost broke all of Joe Burrow's NCAA records. Like if he would have just played in the second half, he could have thrown for like. Just 12 touchdowns in a game (laughs) in a conference game like this wasn't against d2 competition like this was a conference opponent that he threw for seven touchdowns in two quarters against i mean what kind of stats would you what would you have to do yeah it i mean it would have to go back to like you said the mcnair era to where you're putting up 600 yards of total offense back to back to back to back weeks and and hope that somebody catches buzz uh, of what yeah. you're doing um, because again, at the end of the day, there's so much TV involved in it. Um, like you said, the media storm, uh, the school up the street had the perfect plan because they had, like you said, the media backing, but he, he didn't have the Demore numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't have the Lindsay Scott performance uh, to, to go with the TV. And I just think the, the game itself has just changed because that level has gotten so much bigger. Um, you see what's going on with the conference realignment, uh, all that stuff. And even you think about it to make it make even more sense. Guys on the West coast at that level get shunned because they don't play till later and all that. I mean, you know, the, all those things that are said. So imagine what a guy here at Alcorn would have to fight through if a guy on the West Coast is putting up crazy numbers at SC. Well, I shouldn't use SC. Uh, at Washington State, but nobody sees him play because they play at 11 o'clock on the East, you know, when it's 11 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so you can only imagine what it would be for us. And uh, you brought it up. I think there's got to be a more concerted effort to, to hype the, the Walter Payton uh award in in that light um so that you know that award is celebrated as well because that's prestigious war yeah and that that was my big thing is like listen forget winning the Heisman like let's as an f if you're an fcs fan you you're an alum of an fcs school like you gotta hype what you have like this is your award like if your player is up for the butt like when fam you uh, when Isaiah Lynn won the Bump Buchanan and when Jordan Lewis won it the year before, the swag should have been all over that about hyping up that, man, we just had back-to-back defensive yes. Heisman winners from the same conference, and that didn't happen. Like, they didn't jump on, like, the hype of, of what was going Mr. on. Like, yeah. yeah, you got the Jerry Rice Award. Of course, you got the Coach of the Year Award. You got to hype up what you have at your subdivision. Like, at the end of the day, like, we talked about this with realignment. The FBS wants to lock out everyone who's not power, to, what, two or three now anyway? Yeah, yeah. So it, it just is pointless. But, like, for me, if there was a recipe, like, if you could even get into the conversation, I think, one, the biggest thing that I don't I think has been missing is a transcendent personality. You, yeah. it, you you have to have a core, and I think it has to be a quarterback too, right now. I oh, don't definitely. think That's I don't think you could have, I, I don't think you could. I personally, I personally don't think a running back, a wide receiver, can gain this type of hype. You have to have a quarterback that has a personality, like a gravitational, like like a game Johnny football. Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton, a Tim Tebow. Like you got to have someone who grab who grabs the media's attention. Because and I don't so, even think a Charlie Ward no uh, I don't demeanor. Think so. I don't. I don't. I don't think it would work now. A Charlie Ward no. demeanor would work now 
at Florida State. I don't think that will work now. Like you said, it has to be that that uh, that magnet that that brings people to you. Um, and I I hate it, but I think you're exactly right. That's just kind of what it's went to. Yeah, I think I think that's the number one thing you got to do is have that personality, like where people want to watch you and you've got to have an yep. exciting brand. Of, you got to have like a Michael Vick type game where you have highlight plays every yep. single week. Like it, it can't just be stats like you've got to have, be on Sports Center yeah. every Saturday night. And then two, this is super important. I think you have to win at least two power five games, not FBS games, but your school has to be lucky and play two power five games. Like you have to have like an Appalachian games. state beat Michigan performance yeah, and games. you win because you put up 400 yards and score five touchdowns. Yeah. And then the next week y'all get lucky and you get to play Florida state and you beat them because you went stupid. Like that would have, yeah. you would have to have the personality match with that. And then you would also have to go win a, like you would have to be a conference, you know, you go through a run in the FCS. Yeah. You couldn't like, be, it couldn't be uh, UTEP and Nevada is what you're no, saying. No, <laughs> it can't be a group of five school. Cause like group of five upsets happen all the time. Like, yeah. and it, I think, I think it even like exclude power five, like it need, probably needs to be a ranked power five team. A recognizable. Yeah. Like in, like it has to be like, like I said, like a Michigan, um, uh, so, someone like that, like it has to be like a perfect recipe to even get in the conversation. And then on yep. top of that, they have to be at the right school, yep. I think as well, where the brand of the school has to work together. Now that's what we were talking about. Like Jackson had the recipe because Jackson was the hot brand. You had promise to coach. Like it has to be at one of the recognizable FCS, like no offense to, to the perfect. school I'm about to name, like no offense to anybody. You can't do this at UT Martin. You can't oh, no. do you. You can't do this at uh, at Eastern Kentucky. You you can't do this at at Houston Christian, Stephen F. Austin. None of that. Like it has to be the North Dakota State, yep. South Dakota State, a Jackson State. I mean, it has to be a recognizable blue blood brand, like a Grambling. Even I think you could throw them in there just because yeah. that's a recognizable brand as well. Yep. It has to be a school that people know. Like I'm sorry, you can't do go do it at Morgan. Or anything like that. like it has to be like I think there's probably five or six universities that have the brand recognition to get something like this done. Like that's level. another yeah. aspect that's hard to do because no offense to Eastern Washington, I think that hurt Eric Barrier is because people weren't checking for for Eastern Washington because they were like, "Where is that?" Exactly. Like I it just <laughs> like I, I hate to say it, but like I don't even think like a Sac State or UC Davis, like no. it has to be like one of the top brands, and that's the hard part. Is like man. And that's what I'd say that is probably locked out because the odds of all those factors coming in, yeah. coming together, especially with the transfer portal, like AJ said in the chat, bro, that nah. kid's gone. If he's that good. Oh yeah. If he's, if he's even mentioned and he has another year, you can, you can kiss that kid goodbye. Wrap it up. It's and not going to happen. And I don't think a transfer could do it either because the takeaway from Lindsey Scott and like Cole Kelly is he that he couldn't do it at that level. Yeah, like bro, the if, if he was that good, he would have made it at Arkansas or Lindsey yeah. Scott would have made it at Missouri or LSU. Like yeah. that was a huge drawback for both of those prospects. Now Eric Barrier was unique because he was a you know a developed prospect, but again, Eastern Washington and on top of that, not being a recognizable brand to non-FCS fans, bro. Yeah. Like you said, that West Coast. They like, bro, when they got to play on national TV, that kickoff was at like 9 45 Central <laughs> yeah. Time. It's a real thing. Um, and then we can say this topic 
because it's bleeding into what you're saying um, and what you're talking about, um, how not just the conference that I play in, but FCS overall, there's got to be a a plan put together, man, to get, I don't care if it's on PBS, uh, to get TV for FCS, like not local, not, you know, I live in Bismarck, so I know I'm going to be able to see that. But, hey, man, I'm down in Tampa, Florida, and I still get to see that game. Or, you know, consistently, not something I got to pay 100 bucks a month for or whatever. But there's got to be a deal because it's a good brand of football. Yeah. But that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother show. I will say this because that could probably be another topic next week on top of our previews. Um, I, I've, I've said this about a year ago on this show, and I still believe it. The biggest problem with FCS outside of the NCAA's greed is the lack of communication between conferences and the lack of collaboration between conferences because everyone wants to go off and do their own thing, but nobody is the SEC. Bother, you know, like at the Power oh. Five, it works because the Big Ten, the SEC, they, they, they the it's the different. Conference. Let's just yeah, right. like bro, like the SEC it's can the carry itself regardless of who's in it. Nobody, nobody in the FCS got that type of clout. I'm sorry, not even the swag. I, I, you can't just go off by yourself and be successful at the FCS level. And, and like Dustin said, like all these grassroots media deals and everything, like it's great for the farmer in North Dakota who lives in between Fargo and whatever city to be able to watch it on CBS. Yeah. That's great. But that game's not coming on CBS in Mobile, Alabama Mm -mm. or Tampa, Florida. And so, like, yeah, you know, your home base can watch it, and that's probably great. You make a good bit of money on the TV deal, whatever. But, bro, that does nothing for, like, the average FCS fan. No, and that's why you're so important. Um, and, and guys like yourself, because at the end of the day, I mean, click on ESPN uh, website, you know, how much are you seeing? Zero. Uh, I don't, right. they don't even have an FCS section. So, I mean – you know, and like you said, you, you've had guys like Trey Lance um, who did good things. Uh, even back in the day when Randy Moss was lighting everybody up, um, you know, it was still Marshall was feared, but it wasn't what it should have been. No. Um, and Lindsey Scott, they shouldn't have had to wait to that playoff game for everybody to know uh, who this kid was, you know, who this kid is kind of thing. Yeah, because like the thing for me is if I mean, because well, this can go way off track, but it's cool. It's a good conversation. People in the chat like it. Um, my biggest thing is, is if the presentation's right, if the coverage is right, people will be interested. If the advertisement's right, the money's put in, like you actually invest in the product, like people are going to mm-hmm. be interested. Like, OK, let's just be honest, like. Look at this channel. Like, yes, do we get the same number of views if we're talking strictly, you know, swag or whatever, you know, that compared to general FCS? Probably not. But the thing is, is I've had people tell me on this channel, man, I've never watched an FCS game in my life, whether it's a P-Pop fan <laughs> or, 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 or like even FCS fans who don't watch other conferences. Like, they'll tell me, like, man, I still watch your show and now, like, I need to go check out this team or, like, man, I watch this game strictly because of you because I've heard you talk about the players. I've heard you hype this team up, man. Like, you made me want to watch it. Like, that's missing, in my opinion, in terms of, like, the national FCS media because the reason 
the average fan isn't going to watch an FCS game is because they're not invested in it because they don't know anything right. going into it. Like it takes a special type of football fan to tune in. Like I'll watch a high school game like this week when IMG plays Lipscomb and, and stuff like that. I'm watching it because I'm just a football fan. Like I'll watch anything, man. You can put, you can say, man, we're going to take 11 random strangers from Walmart and put them in the 22 and put them on separate teams. We're going to have a game. I'm probably watching it just because so I you, like watching football. So you're and watching Bishop Sy- Sycamore? Absolutely. I would absolutely watch that again. <laughs> I watched the documentary. And, but there's not, a, there's more people who are not like me than, than that are, right. that are like true football fans that will watch anything. You have to get Definitely. people invested because people need to be educated on what's going on. And when you watch some of these FCS games, because the broadcasts are, you know, it's hard to get good broadcasters to call the games and everything. Right. They and the announcing is sometimes atrocious. Oh, I know that. And and man, it is just it's just ridiculous. It's, it's me and Jake from the local cigar bar. And yeah, there's nothing they, wrong with Jake, but <laughs> he's probably a good dude. I mean, I'm sure he's a good guy, but oh, don't man. know a lick about FCS football. And I think that's what like when when Emory Hunt calls the game. Man, I love watching that game because Emory Hunt knows what he's talking about. Jamie Walker with D2, love hearing him talk because he knows what he's talking about. Just because a dude used to play college football does not mean he should be calling the game because he don't know a, a lick of what Incarnate War has done the past three weeks of the season. Right. And it's just uh, – I don't Again, know, man. That, we'll, that, that's we'll a whole sidetrack. Yeah. yeah, listen, that, I'll be another topic another day because I got fault. a lot of opinions on that, and I've had a few shows on that. Um, yeah, Dustin, he said I'm going to watch UMass at New Mexico State because I'm <laughs> sick. I'm, I'm sick. I'm absolutely. Uh, man, I, I just I, I'm so ready for the season, man. Listen, I'm I'm Dustin. I've watched more replays of college football games this offseason that I guarantee anyone else has had. Like, I'll just watch old games because I just I just want to watch them. I just need football on in my life. <laughs> but, Coach, we got a big announcement, man. We're up over an hour. I know it's getting late. Um, yeah, yeah. But, man, if you're, got dark if, quick. Yeah, if you're listening to the replay, re-watching this, man, me and Coach have been working on something. I don't I don't know what the official name's going to be or anything, but it correlates with our next up FCS assist, assistant segment real quick. Each week, me and Coach are going to pick an FCS and an HBCU game of the week, and we're going to have a live stream show or a pre-recorded, depending on the coach's schedule, where we have one assistant coach from each team from our games of the week come on the show together, and we're going to chop it up about the game, talk you know a little bit of X's and O's, talk talk about the biggest storyline surrounding each program. Man, this is the only platform you're going to get this. We wanted to kind of – was it coach formatted after like the old coach Bowden shows, like yeah. those old throwback coaches shows, man, where coaches can kind of relax even, even before a game, chop it up and talk, you know, yep. football before a game and, and get the fans perspective and, and everything in there. Take, maybe take some questions and everything. So man, me and yep. coach are going to bring you guys that we're working on getting some coaches from Jackson and South Carolina state on the channel for next week, man, previewing the Miak Swack challenge. And I'm working on getting us uh, some coaches from Mercer and North Alabama to come on and chop yep. it up for week zero. But coach, man, let, pe- let the people know what else we're cooking up. Oh man. And then, you know, we're, like you said, taking those big games, getting those assistants to come in, uh, we want to highlight those guys and talk about those guys and what they're doing. Uh, no one else is doing it. Uh, so it's a situation where if we can help a guy come on and, and tell his story and maybe make somebody want to watch uh, PV 
to see Coach Frederick's offense because they heard the show and, and he talked about it. Um, that's what it is. That's what we want to do. That's the aim. Um, and like, you know, B said, we want to model it other than, you know, being able to sit on the couch together yeah. <laughs> uh, with a cigar and some brandy like the old school. Uh, we want to have that relaxed feel. Uh, you know, it won't be a deal of where, hey, coach, he's going to tell us his game plan. The other coach is going to tell us. No, none of that. But we're going to talk football, basically football one-on-one with assistant coaches. Uh, not that we are excluding head coaches, but we want to talk to the guys that work behind the scenes uh, of the big name head coaches, you know, the guys that work for uh, Coach Dooley, the guys that work for Coach McNair, uh, the guys that work behind those guys that make it, you know, help make it go. And, you know, what better platform? That's a fact, man. I, I'm excited for it. And so we also want to do a quick segment, man, where we kind of preview some of like the next up and coming assistants, man, that are on both our radars, man. Coach, we'll, 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 you know, do this like a tennis match, man. Toss it back and forth, man. Give me your first name that you wanted to highlight real quick. He's been on the show. Um, my guy, Matt Leone. Ooh, took uh, mine. Stole it from me <laughs> right out of my pocket. Oh uh, man, I've 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 watched that guy grow, man. Been around him for a long time. Good friend. Um, from starting the program down at Weber International, working his way up through, um, and then just a great job that he's done there, uh, working with Coach Oliver at Central. Uh, that's you know the next. I think that's the next guy that should be on uh, on the radar. Yeah, I, I think with with all the success that he had at Southern before he got to Central, right. now getting to Central. If he can, I think, one, he showed his worth at the Celebration Bowl with the creativity, with yep. with, with how well he performed against that Jackson State defense that shut a lot of people down throughout the year. Man, Matt Leone earned his money. And also, on top of that, if they can go back to back, and if he, when you look at him, he's the quarterback's coach. He's worked hands-on with, with Richard. If he's the first player ever, dra- you know, the first quarterback ever drafted from Central, Man, Matt Leone's – man, he better he better get a new phone number because they're going to be gotta, calling. You got to look at Matt. Uh, oh, yeah. Skelton. He, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. He, he's he's done success. it. Yeah. He's done it. He's done it at the highest level, man. So let me get my next one in for you. I, I don't know if you're going to try to steal another one from me. We talked about this school earlier. We talked about his father earlier, Cade Bell. I, I think this is a guy who it, it's only a matter of time before he gets that call to st- take a step up. Now, it's funny because I talked to Kerwin at media day. He said that his son's the only guy he's ever <laughs> let call his offense. He was like, man, I'm not handing that over to anybody other than my son. And he was like, my son's the only one who calls the game how I would. So the fact that Cade's running this Western Carolina offense, if they take a big step forward, and let's say, man, they, they have the same type of success that they had at Valdosta. You don't think Cade Bell is the next on that list? It's got to be. To get that call, I think he's done a great job. When he was at Tusculum, man, they went, won a championship. Man, they were they were putting up, I think, over 40 points per game, averaging like 530 yards of total offense. I mean, he's he's done it at both levels, and I think he's a younger coach that has a lot of – he's got a lot – I think he's still got a lot of growth in his coaching in like in this coaching profession, which makes him a great hire. I think you've seen a lot of FCS programs, especially hire younger and younger and younger. You look at the Scotty Waldens, you look at the Jimmy Rogers and some of these guys that have been hired recently. I think bell, if Western Carolina starts kind of getting that momentum, he could be one of the next guys 
to watch in terms of up-and-coming assistants to be head coaches. He's played in the offense. He grew up watching the offense. Yeah. Um, he was one of the quarterbacks in Valdosta when they were winning <laughs> the national titles. Um, so, you know, he's watched dad call it as one of his assistants. Now he's got the keys. Um, so, you know, he has the playbook, the one with the dust that we hadn't really seen a whole lot oh, from. Yeah. So he's got that, um, you know, in his backpack. He, I, I think he's, again, like a, a Matt where he's going to get an opportunity um, at some point and, and he'll be ready, you know. Um, and the thing that I think will be really good about him and the opportunity that he does take is that he has his dad. So he's not just going to take any opportunity because um, I think that's the most important thing uh, when you're talking about guys getting opportunities. Uh, you're happy for any opportunity that come, you know, comes your way. But, man, and I just use it because it's kind of funny. You don't want to take the Bishop Sycamore job uh, at that stage, you know, because that's that's one of those where it's going to be like, oh, told you he wasn't ready. But he didn't have anybody to do it. What do you mean he wasn't ready? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So um, I think he's got guys in his corner. Um, I think Matt's got good, you know, good, good guys oh, in his yeah. corner as well uh, to where those guys won't just jump on the first opportunity. But the opportunity that they do take uh, is going to be a super, super deal, super deal. The next guy I think is going to be a head coach in the at an HBCU sooner rather than later is my guy Antoine Sewell mm. up at Morgan State. He's already the assistant head coach under Damon Wilson, D coordinator. Listen, he did it at Bowie State. He's building another dominant defense at Morgan, and he was also on them Henry yeah. Fraser squads at PV throughout the yeah. mid-2000s. Yeah. And – Man, he's developed some of the best players. I want to say he had the CIAA Defensive Player of the Year. Yes. Has an FCS All-American already at Morgan State. It Norfolk State is going to be looking. If they move on from Dawson Odoms, I don't think they got to look very far for their next head coach. Or even, now I've said Chinnis Berry could take over. When Buddy Pugh steps away, it's going to be a battle between, between Chinnis Berry and Antoine Sewell. It's going to be decided. Uh, that's one of those ones that will be decided on what they want. Do you want an offensive coach or do you want a defensive coach? Yeah. Um, and and that, I think that's what it's going There's some schools in the SWAC that could be very interesting if if they come available. Even like I mean, Tennessee State, even potentially. Uh, I mean, that, that wouldn't be too far-fetched in my my opinion. So I think Antoine Sewell's earned it, man. He – he has built some of the best defenses at Bowie from throughout PV. He was very successful, and he's done it now at Morgan State. And if Morgan State breaks through and starts winning MEAC championships, he's going to be the first call. Because you, you got to look where they came from. Um, and for them to do and for him to do what they're doing there, um, like you said, if they take the next step and become even more competitive uh, to the point that they're knocking on the door for one of those co-championships, no shot taken uh, in that conference, man, from where they've come from. I think you've got to put him up there because he's not doing it in a shootout fashion. I mean, he's shutting folks out. He's shutting, yeah. you know, shutting people down. He's putting kids out um, on those all conference lists, which means that other, co oh, the co oh, the coaches are seeing the job that he's doing by saying, you know, Hey man, this guy's got five all conference guys, uh, you know, on the list. So, he he's he's definitely up and coming. Definitely up and coming. That's a good pick there. Good pick. Yeah. 
Um, and then I think this one's obvious. I've already said that I'm surprised he hasn't been had to pick up his phone yet. Christian Taylor, William and Mary offensive coordinator. Doing numbers. Oh, my <laughs> God, man. This this guy is just uh, let's just be honest. I mean, he's he is different. He and he's done it across the FCS as well. I mean, so last year, I mean, they led like the CAA in like 12 different offensive statistics. And on top of that, going back to, I want to say at San Diego, he was named the FCS coordinator of the year. And if I'm not mistaken, he was, he was the offensive coordinator for that San Diego team that won a playoff game, like the two playoff games for the non-scholarship schools. Yeah. That's because of Christian Taylor calling the offenses. (laughs) And if you go just watch the creative play calling at William and Mary, Man, it, it, this this guy has done it, and I I mean I I don't understand how he hasn't done it. And also, if you remember, uh, Dalton Kincaid, the first round pick at tight end, right from Utah. Yeah, he was he was recruited to San Diego by Christian Taylor and developed <laughs> over his first two years before he went to Utah. So you can give him that him that credit as well. I mean, th- this guy, I mean he he's a young coach too, and I'm looking at it right here. First FCS non-scholarship school to win a playoff game. Four yeah, Walter, he has he's coached four Walter Payton Award finalists, ten mm. All Americans, twenty-four All Conference players, twelve NFL players, and won seven conference titles. I like it. Sign me up for Christian Taylor, man. I I, like I, it. I would be if William and Mary makes another playoff run this year. I would not be surprised if he's coaching somewhere in the country. If nothing else, somewhere in that conference. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. You know, hey, man, if we can't beat them, that, yeah, you got to join them. Hey, come join us, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. and, and my last one, man, Coach Frederick over at uh, PV, um, it's, it's funny. He jumped on the, on the scene for me when they won a game with a lot of yardage and went and checked, and they threw like four passes. Uh, just being creative in the run game, uh, complementing what they had on the other side of the ball. And he's going to be on the show for us as well. Uh, the State Fair, State Fair Classic, he's going to come up on it um, for, for PV. Uh, but he's a young, up-and-coming guy uh, that I think in this conference, man, would do a great job if something came up. Um, I think he's a guy that would need to be looked at as well. Yeah, my last one, and I think this guy's like my age. I want to say he's like late 20s right now. The offensive coordinator is at South Dakota State, Zach Lewan. Yes. 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 Oh, yeah. That Listen, yes. it's only a matter of time for this the guy. The thing that's good about up. him, the thing that's good about him, though, B, is I think he calls according to what he has. Yeah. He's able to adjust. Um, meaning it's not just, you know, hey, here's the book. This is what we're doing. Okay, well, we're missing this. Well, let's do this here. You know, it's just adjusting, man, and and not shying away. You know, uh, y- yeah, we I think we've named a, a pretty good uh, pretty good group, man. We need to open up a, a firm or agency or something. <laughs> I'm working on getting Zach on the show now. We got a mutual connection because he um, – uh, I got a guy up at Montana State who uh, is really good friends with Zach, and we need to get him on the show. But, I mean, even in 2018 when he first started coaching, he was coaching running backs, and that's when Pierre Strong was there, and he went fourth round to the Patriots. Pierre, yeah. Yeah, man, he, he's he's just different. I want to say he's like 29 right now. 
He graduated college in like 2017, 2018. Like that's <laughs> that's just insane. Like I graduated college in 2018. So like this dude, super young. Oh super man. Young. You young yeah. cats, man. I oh, tell yeah. y'all what. Yeah, but I think my I think Christian Taylor is probably my pick to like out of those, like who's gonna land a job first? Like Christian Taylor's like right there. I thought he could he could have got snagged last year the same way Vincent Brown did from from William and Mary, man. But guys, man, an hour and a half, man. We knew it was gonna be um <laughs> Dustin said it makes you wonder what you've done with your life with a guy at 29. <laughs> exactly, might be Dustin, a head coach. Like what 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 happened? Like, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> what was what was Scotty Walden when he was hired at Austin P like? 28 I mean, 29 yeah i want to say 28 or something like that man that's was, insane to me like right like i'm 26 right now man if you thought i was gonna be running a college program in two years you were out of your <laughs> mind. no chance hey, like man, zero i, I I'm, I'm thinking back yeah man that we would have been on all kinds of probation <laughs> <laughs> Especially in the age of NIL, man, don't oh. stop me up for that at 29. Come on, man. Because hey. like, I've talked to Scotty, man, like, and, and it's weird because, you know, you interview different coaches just going throughout the FCS. Like, interviewing a guy like Fred McNair who's been through it, you know, a bit older, not in the same, like, generation as you, so different because, like, you're kind of, like, for me, a little bit uptight. Like, you know, you yeah, want to yeah. be real professional. Like, man, Scotty comes up to me, man. We're dapping up. We're talking about social media. Like we're talking about the latest. Tr- like it's it's weird. Like talking to like just a dude I've known forever. This is so different. Interviewing like the real younger coaches. To yeah, the older ones. Like I, I told someone, it's like interviewing someone who know. Like like Scotty is so full of energy. It's like man, I don't think he knows what's coming next. Because talking to some of these older coaches, it's like man, I don't want to talk to the media. Man, I'm tired. Like I've been Calculated. through the trenches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here, take my cue card. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, but guys. Appreciate y'all tuning in, man. Hit the like button. The membership link um, is at the top of the chat if you want to support the channel. Replay always available on YouTube. Also, if you just want to listen to this, it's going to be available on all podcast streaming platforms. You can check out the website, thebluebloodcfb.com. I do not – okay, this is going to be surprising. Week zero is next week. Me and Coach could have multiple shows next week, man. So just stay tuned. We're trying to get everything <laughs> scheduled with our new with our new coaches' corner, things like that. And I don't know where I'm going to be next week. I thought I was going to be Atlanta for Jackson State, South Carolina State, but I might just make that left turn and go check out North Alabama Mercer, man. I'll let y'all know in Birmingham for the FCS kickoff. But then I know week two is locked in, man. Going to be flying to South Dakota State for that Montana State matchup. Got to check that one out, man. I saved one of my free flights from last year for that game. So I will be (laughs) in Brookings for that game, and I cannot wait for that one. But, guys, check us out next week, man. Make sure to hit the like button, subscribe. But for my guy, Coach Fred, for myself, and for the Blue Bloods, man, we are out for right now. Yes, sir.